What's up, everyone, and welcome to Mike Check. I'm your host, Mike Velasquez, and this is the podcast where we'll talk about all things fitness, wellness, rehab, and more importantly, the constant pursuit of knowing better in order to do better for the people that we serve. Now, without further ado, let's dive into today's episode. What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Mike Check. I'm your host, Mike Velasquez, and today I'm super fired up to be joined by two of the founders of The Level Up Initiative, Zach Gabor and Steph Allen. Um, I obviously have the pleasure of knowing you two um, just through Level Up and being connected with you guys, um, getting to meet you guys in person and interact with you guys on social media. Um, but very excited to sit down with you guys and have this conversation today. But what I want to start off with for the people that may not, you know, know you guys well, or, you know, may not be aware of what you guys do and who you guys are. I was hoping you guys could start off with a little bit of background information on yourselves. Yeah. First of all, thank you for having us. We were just saying before we hopped on that, uh, there's not too many people because, you know, our old asses go to bed around like you know <laughs> 10 o'clock. There's not too many people we'd be willing to hang out and, and chat with later at nights. And Mike is one of them. So thank you. Um, individually is that kind of what you're yeah okay okay brief spark notes yes yeah so i for those of you who don't already know um born and raised in new jersey no one judge me (laughs) um (laughs) background as far as sports athletics and what led me to pt was i i did a lot of sports growing up but my one kind of passion and what i played all year round was basketball um and i ended up tearing my ACL when I was a senior in high school and um, loved my physical therapist and my had a really good experience. And at the time I was thinking of going to school for pre-med. And then when I went through PT, I was like, Oh, one, I'm not sure if I really want to go to school for that long. And two, it seemed like a little bit more of a laid back slash, um, potentially an area where I could specialize and work with, continue to work in, um, sports or related to something in sports. Um, and didn't actually get into anything other than sports and or basketball and running. Um, until about three or four years ago, I started, uh, formally weightlifting, um, not only big weightlifting, like powerlifting, barbell lifting. Um, and that's been hugely transformative in, in both my practice and kind of my personal development as well. Um, and that's something that we, I think on a day-to-day basis incorporate pretty well into, um, our treatment, both of athletes and, and of quote unquote non-athletes. Um, and kind of what led me to Boston PT wellness after doing a residency and travel PT for two years, and then still not really knowing where the heck, uh, I fit in the profession. So, um, I'm happy to be here. <laughs> um, I graduated from Ithaca in 2015. Um, I, you know, I grew up playing sports like soccer and baseball, got into, you know, bro lifting at the end of high school, even more bro lifting during college. And then really more so into like actual advanced bro science. I got my T nation degree, <laughs> like my senior year. Um, but that's when I really started to dive in and get more passionate about the strength and conditioning side of things. And, uh, yeah, graduated in 2015. I, you know, I worked my first job for a big corporate mill, um, 
uh, against my will. So quick fun story was I did a clinic. My third clinical was for this big corporate mill. My fourth clinical was for a smaller version of that with better values. And I got a job offer from both as a new grad. I took the one with the uh, slightly better values and we ended up getting bought out by the other company literally a week later. So um, I mentioned that because that was pretty formative for me in a sense of being like, oh my God, this is flagrantly unethical. And I hope that one day I can do something to make sure that these types of companies either transform their values and way they practice or don't exist. Um, and then more to that was, yeah, ended up getting my dream job at Boston PT and wellness through networking and just continuing to meet some really authentic people. And yeah, it's been, it's been the dream been practicing for just five years now. So time kind of flies. It's nuts. I, I don't five years. I feel like earns the quote unquote, like first level of experience card. Yeah. Where like, <laughs> I don't quite feel like a new, new grad anymore. <laughs> no, so, so it's yeah it's been a fun journey though for sure that's uh, awesome I, I was just having this conversation like you know time really does fly I can't believe I graduated already you know a year ago and coming up on a year of practice and I still 100% consider myself a new grad PT and probably will for the for the next few years um, but you know Definitely. You guys are doing awesome things at Boston PT and wellness. I always consider it, you know, Northeast CEU headquarters um, because oh, no. I'm pretty sure every continuing education course I've gone to has been there so far <laughs> since I've graduated. Well, um, selfishly, we try to bring in, you know, some really awesome, yeah, we try to host awesome <laughs> courses, but obviously it, the reason they're so awesome is because we get to have such an amazing crowd of people that come and take it. So it makes yeah. it even more fun. Yeah, especially like when there a lot of them are sponsored by Night Shift Brewery as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah just pray that Derek Miles isn't there. Or Ben Cormack yeah. he might survive into the next day. Yeah. Um, all right, but uh, you know, basically, you know, big reason that I really wanted you guys, um, you know, to have you guys on was you know level up and what you guys have created has you know that and clinical athlete have been two of the biggest you know influences in my, you know, young career to date. And I always, thankfully I've had the opportunity to be a mentor for the last cohort and then this upcoming cohort as well. Um, and you know, any, ex you know, experience that I've had with it so far is just, you know, I just always get fired up. I always left my meetings with my mentees, like super fired up, just talking with you guys, get super passionate about kind of just going to work and, and doing what we do every day. Right. Um, so, you know, for students or you know, new grads or other clinicians that may be unaware um, of what Level Up is, um, I'd love if you guys could just kind of give a little background on, you know, maybe where the idea for it, you know, originally came from, um, and then a little bit of, of what it's about. Yeah. So constant struggle trying to like succinctly kind of um, get across really at the root of what Level Up is. But I think when it was actually helpful for you to ask us that because it really made me think for a second, really back to beyond going about like the mentorship we offer and things like that. It has to start at the why of like, why does it exist? And I think that's important, which is there is a big problem like systemically in healthcare. And it was ultimately a solution to feeling like, what the hell are we doing to make moves? We know that there is, should be a better standard of healthcare delivery. We know that there should be more consistent narratives about how we're communicating to patients to help like 
the rising disability and healthcare spending and chronic pain that we inflict well-intentionedly, like through some of the narratives that we learn in school. So, you know, and with some of the mills, you know, out there practicing with such volume, Level Up was a solution to that. It was building a community that cared, cared and cares deeply about really leading by example and creating positive change. That so happens through values, which is really what we do. A four-month like values training or onboarding through a clinical lens. So it's like awareness, critical thinking, and communication skills. For us, like those are the essential values of anyone that's going to be like a real change agent in healthcare. And so that's what we help do through the Level Up initiative is we have this four-month mentorship, small group discussions of six with a badass mentor where each month has a different theme. And it's either that sort of growth mindset or awareness, critical thinking, or communication, not just how you're going to communicate about difficult, you know, patients that have been nocebo like hell and how you're going to navigate that conversation, but also how you're going to delicately navigate a conversation with your professors and peers who might think uh, in a really deeply rooted way that you think is contributing. How are you going to navigate that sensitively and constructively? And so that's why it's kind of hard to describe succinctly because it kind of gets at a lot, but it's all these values build out these different things. So I guess that's my, I, that, I, that was a little, only a little over two minutes. <laughs> yeah. I, think. I think I like to think of it in my own mind as what I wish that I had as maybe um, a grad student and, and a new grad, because it didn't take either of us very long to realize how important it is to have both formal and informal mentors where we've been lucky enough to, to reach out to people and um, have a lot of informal mentors, but we both got to points where, you know, as far as maybe a little bit more of the backstory as well um, that could build some context is, you know, after I moved here and started working at Boston PT and wellness, we started having a lot of um, discussions based around like, I feel as though I'm having these same conversations with almost every uh, person that's coming in for an evaluation. Um, a lot centered around trying to work on de-educating and empowering and trying to really sift through these messy conversations regarding some of either the deeply rooted beliefs they have or things that they've been told from other clinicians, not necessarily just doctors, a lot of times other PTs family members, whatever it is. And it was really draining. And we kept having these conversations. Like, I'm not like, I want to figure out a way to do something outside of the nine to five that we see these people and have, have these conversations over and over again, feel like we're banging our head against the wall. Um, so there was just a little period of like, you know, existential crisis. And we were actually apart for a weekend, both driving to our families. And I was listening to a Lewis Howes podcast with Ed Milet, and it, he was talking about, um, in his particular case, like power of persuasion and how when he's speaking, like he, when he's done speaking, he goes into this state of like complete exhaustion for like a day because he feels like he just gives everything he has to the room and that's, you know, but I originally, there was more, more to it. I originally was telling him, you know, Zach, you have to listen to this. Like this is, this could be part of, you know, whether it's teaching or something else, this could maybe be something we could explore because I know how much you like speaking and teaching and, and maybe there's something to this. Um, 
and he listened to it and then on what was it this you listened you listened to it twice i think right yeah and i was like i was like it was one of those things where i was like literally fucking hitting the dashboard as i was driving so i was like <laughs> holy shit i was like oh my god i was like this like, is fucking i got it, it i got i have an idea and i was like, like <laughs> okay how can we literally it was so funny listening to eric Mierra's podcast the other day about like he you know on clinical athlete where he was just like i'm not really that great i just try to like uh What's it called? He, he's, inoculate. He's, yeah, he's just trying to like inoculate the youth, or right? Corrupt the youth. Or corrupt, no, yeah, like yeah. He said he wanted to corrupt the youth. And that was when I listened to that podcast, I was like, you know what? I love speaking. I love educating. Like I've, you know, it's something I'm super passionate about. How can I leverage that for good? Like, okay, I'm just going to try and like use that to infect as many people as possible. And better yet, they can, they're not going to pay. Like we just need to pay it forward and like, try and persuade as many, many people as possible that this really matters. And these are extremely important values to really dr- not only for your own personal development, but to literally have a transformative effect on healthcare. It needs to shift at the values level. And so, yeah, that was, that was the start of it. And then we, we've been flying by the seat of our pants ever since. Yeah, definitely the uh, jump from the airplane and go beat parachute on the way down kind of thing, but we're doing okay. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'd say you guys are doing way more than okay with, you know, just seeing the the growth of, you know, from when it started out to the, you know, just seeing the numbers on the number of applications you guys get, you know, every cohort and things like that. And, you know, I just see more people, you know, you know, I listen to a podcast and I hear, you know, level up dropped, you know, here, there. And, you know, it's, it's just more and more people, like you're saying, you just kind of, and I've heard you say it before. And I love when you say it's like, you know, just like infecting people with these ideas, but, you know, and like, you know, a positive way because, you know, coming out of school, you know, you, you learn about, you know, active listening and all of that stuff, but you know, it doesn't really go beyond that. And, you know, we would sometimes have these conversations like with, you know, these mock patient conversations with our classmates. And, you know, sometimes we could get ourselves together to take it seriously. Um, but a lot of times it's, you know, you, you don't really know how hard it is until you're just in that situation. Um, And, you know, I had the, I would have the experience where, you know, I was on my clinical rotations and I would be listening to, you know, whether it was my clinical instructor or another clinician say something. And I was like, oh man, like, I can't believe they just said that. But then like, I get put in front of a patient and I'm like, okay, that's a lot harder to do than, uh, you know, being a backseat driver for you. Right. Yeah. Well, that's the other thing too. That stuff just said is like, that's, I think one of the bigger drivers for me is just like, how do we unify such a divided profession when there's so many tribes of like this camp or that camp? And it's like one of, one of the common shared values that we really strive for is humility. Like just have the awareness to admit that like, maybe we don't have all the answers figured out. And that's like one of my favorite things that I think I've been very influenced by Derek miles is like, he's like, I don't know shit. And I'm one of the most well-read people ever. And I just want you to come into the abyss with me and not be sitting here acting like you got it all figured out. And I think that's really powerful. And you don't really learn that in school. Some kids are, some students are lucky to have professors that really embody that, but it's like a hidden curriculum type of thing. And so I think that's one of the really important things for us with Level Up is like really instilling that value of intellectual humility and being able to have those conversations. Cause I think that does help in unifying like so many different, you know, camps of like, what's the best yeah. 
you know, what's the best way to do physical therapy? Like knowing that we know so much of it works. Um, I think that's how a lot of it has of the last two cohorts definitely evolved a little bit in the sense of we've definitely diverted a little more focus based on feedback towards um, more discussion, more case study based discussion, particularly of some of those not so black and white, a little more gray and kind of messy um, case studies that that the mentees were asking for a bit more of, because I think what people are realizing, and this is something that I really also wished I had a little bit more of in school, just like you said, you have these on paper case studies that you're supposed to go through via a group of your friends. Half the time you have other classes and stuff you're studying for. So you try to get 30 minutes in of like, yeah, well, I would say this and I would do that and I would prescribe this and you know, then you're good and you put that on the test and you're fine. Everything is so straightforward. Nine and a half out of 10 cases that you have in a general ortho outpatient, at least I don't know about other, Mm -hmm. I can't speak to others. They are, they're way more layered than that. Most often doesn't mean they all have to be complicated. Not all of them are, but I think what people are starting to realize and what we're trying to respond with is a little bit more of a focus on those types of conversations because they are really hard and people are very rarely in school or in their study groups put on the spot to that type of, I don't know if it's like a standard or like to that level. And I think the other thing too is, you know, with, you know, more of those case studies being, you know, brought into it. And one of the things I like about it too, is like, usually when you're in school, it's, you know, patient presents with this and it kind of goes about like that they've, that's kind of like their first interaction with physical therapy. But like a lot of times, you know, people have had multiple injuries in their life and they're coming in with, they've had multiple interactions with healthcare providers that have mm-hmm. told them, told them multiple things. So it's never, you know, just it's that. Like, it still makes you drip sweat. If I'm like, hey, my, <laughs> okay, here's the patient scenario. Patient comes in. They've already been to a Cairo, an acupuncturist, and now, you know, one of their friends referred them to you to help fix their chronic pain that they've had, but they believe that their low back pain is because of, you know, this crazy obscure muscle imbalance slash trigger points. And you're they just like, know what they need. and now you're on the spot <laughs> and you're trying to tell me that, you know, who's no one's confident in that scenario. It's no. really hard, but at least it's uh, being being more aware of it so that you're ready to to navigate it. And I know this is one of the things that, you know, I know you're big on and is huge. It's like, you know, one of the things that's so fun about Level Up and what drives it is like, you know, this quote unquote empowerment model where it's like, how can we utilize narratives and, you know, listening and, and trying to help make sense of stories to help empower people to not need us anymore. And even though that sounds super corny, you know, that's what it's all about. You have that one case experience where you have someone that's effectively been disabled by words to not do the things that they love, which has led to a cycle of disuse and pain. And then through your treatment, which is mostly just, you know, progressive education, de-education, graded exposure, you're able to show them what they can do for themselves and get strong as hell. And, and maybe not totally get rid of all their pain, but they feel confident in moving forward without you. And that's what I think we're really at too with Level Up is not just feeling more confident, but like feeling more confident to really empower patients because um, that's what's going to really help also shift the bottom line of healthcare usage is teaching people to be more independent and normalize pain into it to an extent. Yeah, I think that's, 
so huge. And I, you know, it's, it's still, I see all the time in, you know, the media, whether or not I look for it or not, it's just like pain is just viewed as just like this, such an evil thing. And that, you know, you have to live this pain-free life and, and everything right. like that. And, you know, I always try to have that, you know, quick conversation with people and like get them to just reconceptualize it and be like, listen, like, I understand that, you know, we're in pain and everything <laughs> like that, but like, if we didn't have pain, like we literally would not survive very long, you know? So it's like, it, it's not comfortable, but like, we do need that, you know? So, well, and it's, it, it kind of hinges back to like, you know, and again, this is now I'm a grandpa. So I was in school five years ago, so it's probably updated a little You're bit. Not allowed to talk. Like the way just our societal, like our, our sort of like folk healthcare culture, um, it seems like the predominant under like attitude about pain and stress is that it's bad, like a bad thing, like mm-hmm. pain-free training certification, like shouldn't have pains, like stress, you know, all of these movement ideologies that like essentially deem stress bad. You know what yeah. I mean? Where it's like, don't move like that. You're going to pay for it. Or like, you might not have pain now, but just wait. And so there's like this foundational wedge that's like not on the same page and it drives those attitudes. And then, you know, we have kids that graduate that don't question anything and why would they? And I, you know, me neither. And I was going out with a smile on my face, noceboing the crap out of my patients. And then when I looked in the mirror, I was like, holy shit, like I need to do better. Like I'm literally giving them more problems than solutions. Think about the case you were just hypothetically explaining, right, Mike? Like, yes, I understand you're in pain, but, you know, pain's not always a bad thing. Think about just having a little bit of confidence via some of these conversations that we have in Level Up or self-prompted with peers. If That's great. But where you just flip that a little bit positively from, yes, let's find ways to modify things so that you don't have pain because that sends sometimes a message that you are still trying to avoid it to like, okay. So again, first asking that question, what would, what would be your ideal? What would you be doing right now if you didn't have pain? And let's see what we can start to do to help you tolerate things with maybe a little bit less pain, but that still allows you to do something working towards what you would like to do. Yeah. And, and just, just kind of starting to have that conversation where you're, you're not saying, oh, well, we're going to do stuff. You might still have pain, but we're just going to get you stronger and it'll be better because that's not always the best thing either. But just starting to practice having those conversations where you just nudge a little bit and have some um, illusion towards the fact that pain isn't necessarily the enemy. And a lot of times it helps us in our progression in PT yeah. um, towards your function. And that was something that like, God, if somebody had told me that at May- the end of the beginning of school, I would have like... <laughs> I there there are points during travel PT where I was in I was practicing in different outpatient ortho places, hospital based, California, New Mexico, Colorado, New York, and I really started to question if I picked the right profession because all of these places I was just demanded to. And again, as a travel PT person, sometimes you are viewed a little bit more as somebody who's you know a contractor there to help them, whatever. Not did like travel PT is great. <laughs> I'm just saying like the particular one, most of the ones that I were in that I was in was just, you know, I had to bill a certain amount and, and productivity was such a high thing. And I'm like, is this where, is this what it's like everywhere? Like, did I, should I like go be a chef? I was, <laughs> I was really not sure. Um, so if somebody had 
told me about being a little bit more comfortable with some of that uncertainty um, and using it to shift towards a little bit more of an empowerment narrative. Oh God, it would have been a little more smooth, but. Yeah. I mean, I even, do you watch Bar Rescue at all? (laughs) Um, I've seen episodes here and there, but. You know John Taffer though, right? Yeah, yeah. So that was like, like quintessential new grad Zach. Like I remember vividly, I like vividly working in my first job. Um, and like, I remember this like woman who was having uh, patellar tendinopathy and I was like John Taffer, like the second she would have pain, I'd be like, shut it down, shut it down. <laughs> like anything that created pain with loading, shut it down. <laughs> like couldn't be a let like, I don't know if there's more that would be like less effective at helping someone. And I think that's what Meekin says, like a fearful physio makes a fearful patient, but it's a subtle but powerful shift. But any whom long ramble on both are yeah, sorry, sorry about that. No, that's, that's keep, fine. Like <laughs> honestly, within the last year, like I've had to like break that out of my just things I say. Cause like in school, like on clinical, when we would do our like part-time clinical rotations, like someone would always be doing an exercise. I'm like, you know, after every set, how did that feel? Like any, any pain with that? Like, and like, I've had that over the last year, just like get out of that. And like, now it's just like, okay, like how did that feel? And someone's like, you know, teaching them some sort of like a hinge progression or a deadlift. And like, I feel on my back. I'm like, good. Like, okay, we're, stre- we're, we're stressing. And like, I have stress yeah. is another bad word. Like I have to like, I literally always say, okay, like stress has this negative connotation, but like, if we want to get the body to adapt in a positive manner, like we need to stress it. Um, and like, I always have to preface that. Yeah. might be like, look, man, stress isn't good. It's not bad. It just is. All right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was like, no, that was the, that was, that was in like that, the whole Quinn. Tone when they asked me, that was like the whole clinical athlete weightlifting seminar. Like Quinn was just like, you know, it's not good. It's not bad. It just is. And like, I was just saying well, that all, but then the hard thing is, Mike, is like you have some patients that are like, no, like I shouldn't feel this in my back. And yeah. you're like, uh, well, yeah, so it's a little bit's okay. But like, yeah, yeah we're, we'll chat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, yeah, it's just definitely, you know, funny that you say that because um, I've definitely tried to get myself away from that uh, over the last year. Um, but who knows? Well, that's I, the hard thing too is like you first learn about it. And then like I was definitely very guilty of like, just PT, PT splaining everything, you know, second day of pain. I'm like, well, let me give you the life history of pain really (laughs) quick and why we don't need to be afraid of it. So it's uh, always growing. Yes. Yeah. But, um, you know, kind of backtracking a little bit on what we (laughs) talked about how, no, like just how kind of, this is more of like a systemic issue and, you know, it's not just physical therapy and, you know, obviously we're all physical therapists and, you know, with, with level up, you know, maybe people, you know, just because of the people that they see associated with it on social media and things like that, maybe think that it's only for physical therapists or, you know, physical therapy students, but, you know, you know, who is it, is it for other professions, you know, who, you know, would be interested in, who would it benefit to, to maybe sign up for it? Yeah. I mean, really, I, I think the way I've been referring to it now is like anyone that's in the sort of musculoskeletal arena, so that could mean including fitness professionals, including fitness professionals. So not necessarily just uh, clinicians, but fitness professionals up to MDs, DOs, PTs, Kairos, PTAs, LMTs. Getting more professors. Like, yeah, you know, it's been really people on the academic side, but really anyone that is somewhat involved in 
like the musculoskeletal realm of general rehab or pain management, you know, or fitness, like, and it makes sense would value, you know, would benefit from it. It makes sense too, kind of based on where we just left off before. So maybe it wasn't a full backtrack. Don't worry. But having those types of conversations are really hard, no matter how long you've been treating. So, you know, we have people who are multiple years out, both as mentors and mentees. And it's really cool to see because especially in the mentee groups, those that have a little bit of experience really bring a lot to the table because they have a ton of case studies that maybe they've already had under their belt that they were like, yeah, I really didn't handle this one really well. And now learning this kind of stuff, I'm, I'm understanding why. And even if they do grasp a lot of what we're already talking about, it doesn't make these conversations any easier. And again, that's not the only thing that happens in the discussion, but it is so much of where people feel like they get a lot of, a lot out of it. Um, and I think that that doesn't matter how many years you've been out. And, you know, one of the other things too, is just, you know, part of why we value the diversity of it is just because like, if we are actually going to drive change systemically, it has to come from like all of the subspecialties of musculoskeletal. It can't just be physical therapists trying to band right. together and be like, you know, the profession. Like we all have to unite on some common values. And so if we start having these more diverse groups, we're having people starting to learn how to have constructive conversations right. um, about, you know, potentially emotionally charged topics, which is really hard, but like that's how you move shit forward. So, you know, that's classically, classically trained, like in McKenzie and maybe who have been influenced by PRI or Mulligan or any of those things or subluxation theory, (laughs) use a lot of SFMA or, you know what I mean? So those, um, they're, they're here and they've gravitated towards us for a reason. So it probably means that they have some of those the underlying core values that we have. And I think it's important to not necessarily just build a silo within which we're all just, you know, patting each other's backs and agreeing with what we're saying. Right. Nothing is going to, nothing is going to move forward in our profession or beyond if, if that's the case. So we really do get excited when we have people who have, you know, maybe had some significantly different experiences in one place and creating a space within which really hard conversations can be had safely. Yeah, I think that's, you know, really cool. And especially integrating more, you know, people from other professions, I think it's been awesome. Like I had uh, Cam Clouser in, in my mentee, uh, he was in my group last uh, cohort and, you know, just learning, cause I didn't really know really much about chiropractic school at all. So getting to learn a little bit more about that. And, yeah. you know, sometimes I think people think it's, and it, it may be, you know, just due to certain things that repost on, on social media that it's like PT versus Kairos. But like one of the people that I get a lot of and follow the most is, is Michael Ray, who is, who's a Cairo. Um, so, and like, he, he says like, you know, I don't, or it was either him or Derek. There's just like, I don't really care what your, you know, profession is. Like, I just want people, you know, in this, in this realm of, you know, if rehab professionals, if you will, to just you right. know, practice, you know, ethically and not say stupid shit. Yeah. Is that okay? That's, uh, I think you just summarized the level up initiative <laughs> mission in a line, yep, good, which is done. very heavily influenced by Derek miles <laughs> is just practice eth- ethically and stop saying dumb shit or stupid shit <laughs> that nocebo is people. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but not everyone, you know, you know, we were, 
talking with um, like Amato about this and like Derek and it's like, you know, Barbell Medicine is uh, a group that we really admire and like Derek, you know, Derek, especially someone we strive for that level of clinical practice and, but not everyone's ready to go zero to Derek Miles. Like I remember as a brand new grad when he made my blood boil, you know, the logic of rehab site with Mike Ray and Derek as a new grad made my blood boil, man. Them, Greg Lehman, Adam Meekins. Oh my God. They were challenging everything. And I was not ready for that. Like the journey takes time. So like, we also try to be the gateway drug for like getting to appreciate people like that. Cause not everyone's ready for that. Like antagonist, like, like, you know what I mean? Just the yeah. zero to 100. Yeah, they're not they're not ready to just get slapped in the face by Adam Meekins. Right <laughs> <off the> bat. <laughs> Behavior change is an interesting and deep topic. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, if any, you know, that's so much of, of what we do. So it's like that's right. something that I've, you know, been interested in more and, and you know, definitely didn't see myself necessarily going down that right route, you know, in school and you know, cause you go through school and you know, a lot of people I feel like that I've at least talked to have that same um, experience of going through and like, you're trying to be this, you know, magical, you know, fixer. hand fixer. Yeah. You're just trying to, you know, manipulate everything and then boom, like you're better. Um, cause you, and how many letters can you get? Yeah, now, exactly. Alphabet. Cool. Soup. I was like, all right, I'm going to have my manual therapy certs. I'm going to have, uh, you know, all these other letters. I mean, and I did an orthopedic manual residency because I thought that my manual skills were what was going to set me apart as a clinician from, and was going to like put me ahead of the people that I graduated with. And um, I am very thankful for that experience, but I also could not have been more wrong. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, look at the situation everyone's in now, like you have that alphabet suit behind your name, but everyone's in the same position in front of a laptop with another person Um, on the other end. So it's like, (laughs) you know, you can't connect with somebody where you at. It's all, it's all just, it, it, it hinges back to this conversation about values. Like what really matters the most. And I think, like what we've learned a lot from like people like Nicole Piamonti and professionalism and professional development, which is like the least sexy topic ever. Like that's what we try to implicitly teach through level up as well is like just these base values of, you know, how are we forming students? Like you, you become so much of your identity and the main predominating culture of school is so seductive into that fixer, I want these letters after my name, Objective measures. you know, like how do we start to get them thinking more, you know, meditatively, if you will, in a way that's going to help really foster personal growth. Cause that's where you become the most bomb clinician ever is when you really start to like own your, like really take ownership for your own personal growth. Well, think about the, the age at which people are in when they're approaching and going through college those are times of your life that are extremely formative to you even figuring out what kind of person you are. Right. So one of the things that I really grasped from Nicole's book, um, afflicted was, you know, she had this whole section on professionalism and like enough, it it touched me enough that I ended up writing a blog about it because it made so much sense to me. And she was referring mostly to medical education, like formal Mm -hmm. medicine. Um, but drew a lot of parallels to anything clinical and, People going to medical school or pre-med, they're 18. You're talking about 18 to like 24, 25, mm-hmm. 26, depending on your if your residencies and your specialty that you go into. I had no clue who I was when I was 20. 
22, tw- like, so it makes a lot of sense that, you know, she refers to it as this time of socialization, right? So if we, in a, in a curriculum like PT and some of the other clinical curriculums that are so jam-packed already in, you know, we both did a, the six-year program at Ithaca and you basically don't have any summers. You have like one or two summers because everything is so condensed. They have so much to fit into those six years already. I'm sure even the, the people that even thought about adding in some, um, you know, some socialization training or professionalism training directly where you're talking about things like death and dying and like really hard, stressful things that you might, that people might come in with into your office and seeing them as a person. It's like, they don't, it makes sense that they would feel like they don't have time for that. So that's another little aspect of when we touch on those kind of concepts and level up, it's like, that's something I really wish that I had. And it makes me feel really good and really proud that that's something that we can, we can offer even on a smaller scale. Right. But that's the hard part is it's got to be implicit because if it's like, (laughs) Hey, do you want to come do this professional development, you know, four month professional development mentorship? People are like, no, (laughs) like, yeah, right. I'd rather do this HVLA elective like you dumb, dumb, you know? (laughs) So it's, uh, it's just, it's the balancing act of trying to be a Trojan horse (laughs) Yeah, and, um, you know, but really delivering practical information for folks too. Yeah. Um, you know, I know we kind of, you know, touched on, you know, who, you know, aside from, you know, PTs and, you know, maybe, you know, chiros and things like that, but being open to other, you know, fitness professionals even. And I think that's even more, you know, huge because especially if, if our job is essentially to, you know, render ourselves, you know, out of a job and, you know, discharge our patients as fast as we can, like having people that you're confident kind of referring out to, to continue, you know, once they're done with physical therapy and and back to like strength and conditioning, like I want to be confident sending them to a personal trainer or to a strength and conditioning coach that again, isn't going to say basically the opposite of what I said. And then, you know, I want someone that's at least speaking the same language that we can continue that. Yep. So, you know, I think that's huge. Um, And obviously, you know, you know, I, you know, kind of, I'm still a new grad, but, you know, would you, and I don't know how, what the numbers are, but you know, how many people would you say are like, or percentage breakdown of like students versus, you know, people that have been out for, you know, a few years. Um, so over the first four cohorts, at least it's been pretty consistent 60, 40 split, um, 60% students, 40% new grads. Any, um, like, What's, I guess, the furthest out someone's been that's maybe done? uh, Well, so that's what's starting to shift now, which is kind of cool. Originally, we really tried to keep the new grads to like two years or less. Um, But now we're having people that are three years out, five years out, 10 years out, you know, because we want them to eventually mentor for us. But we really feel like, you know, the beauty of this mentorship is like each cohort, Steph and I get something new out of it because the whole thing is it makes you look in the mirror and reflect. And like the second you think that you have your shit figured out is the second that you're so wrong. And you need to like, take a look in the mirror and be like, wow, you know, I think I'm this like, you know, very bias free. Like I know, or like I'm aware of my biases. I know that I think like that. I feel like I have a good handle on it. And then when you really boil it down and ask the hard questions, you're like, huh, I still have a lot of areas that I can continue to grow. So I think for us, it's been helpful in, in really being like, look, people, clinicians that have been practicing for more than three, five, 10 years 
should come in because, and they almost serve as co-mentors where people respect the, the experience that they're bringing into the conversation because our mentors aren't meant to be these like all knowing, you know, gurus that have it all figured out. Our mentors are supposed to be embodiments of our values that can help foster these conversations so that all these things can kind of emerge from it. And display confidence and not be right. confident in everything. Right, exactly. Leading by example. So there's, you know, there's tremendous value there. Um, and so I think that's something that we're excited to kind of push a little bit more because we get emails from people that are like, you know, 10 years out, they're like, I'm really interested, but I don't know what to do. Like, is it, How can we you know, be involved mm-hmm. in and so, you know, it is, I think, going to be really fun to continue to just get more experienced people intermixed in the new grad groups because it's just, you know, we all win when we're all communicating and listening and learning from each other's perspectives. Yeah. And I think that could be super powerful too, to have someone that's been practicing for 10 years and has the self-awareness to be like, all right, like maybe I can, you know, learn something from this experience and like they've gone through and maybe they, you know, it's easy if, um, you know, probably practicing for 10 years to just keep doing the same thing that you've been doing forever, but to actually be like, hold on, let me reach out and see if I can kind of challenge my biases and, and change the way I've been, maybe I've been doing it wrong the last 10 years, or I could do it a lot better, you know, the next 10 years, you know, to, to be able to have the self-awareness to do that, I think is really cool. And I think that would be, you know, the people that do reach out and do that, I think would be, you know, really awesome people to learn from and hear their experiences on it. It's one of those things where it's like, what keeps you going, right? Like burnout, like we're so lucky. You're so lucky at Gaylord with your crew. Like you have such an epic community of PTs directly in your clinic that help that all embody these values of bouncing ideas off each other, challenging each other. Like we get that at Boston PT and wellness. A lot of people don't have that luxury of getting to work in a clinic setting where they're surrounded by people who maybe aren't like-minded and practicing the same way, but are like-minded in these values of like wanting to do better and have the hard conversations. And so like one of our mentors, Keith, shout out, he's been practicing for 15 years and he's like, to be honest, I'm just so excited because like, I always like, I feel so reinvigorated after having these conversations and being able to mentor and teach and expose myself to my own, you know, faults. Cause that's really it. Like, the second you feel like you have it all figured out, I will, I, you should be expecting a subpoena to lodge a court <laughs> at your door in the next 24 hours. I would, I would also say too, that one of the things, especially as, you know, a, a soon to be new grad, if you're a student and, and new grads in general, you know, especially from a job perspective, seek out a place where if possible, you would feel like you're probably the dumbest person there. And I know that sounds also a little cliche, but one of the reasons why I wanted to come to Boston PT Wellness was one, because I had met Dave and saw what was going on and was like, there's a lot of room for growth, not just myself here, but the entire business um, in and of itself. And everybody here, I already feel like I look up to from a a treatment and, and clinical reasoning standpoint. And I was like, I had come from a bunch of places where that wasn't necessarily the case. So, and I feel like in the first two to three months that I started working here, that I was already that much better of a clinician. And it's something that, you know, even if the job market isn't super, uh, 
hungry right now because of everything going on, like that, that shouldn't be a deterrent as far as trying to either seek out a place like that or to at the place that you are at, try and cultivate that, you know, like Zach pretty much, there was only a couple, there was only him, one other PT and the owner and a strength coach when he first started. And a lot of our team goes back to him networking, bringing people that all of us collectively as a team really, you know, not just vibed with as another human, but who was really hungry to learn and embodied a lot of these values. Now, fast forward, it's to the point where I almost equate it to like, when you don't want to disappoint your parents, you know, like you don't care if they're pissed at you for a little something, but like, I don't want to disappoint anybody that I work with. And I'm always like, you know, once in a while, I'm like, okay, what would, what would Mike think? Or like, what would, what would Zach think? And we have no hesitation to ask each other um, on certain cases. Like, Hey, you know, you're usually, you work a lot more with this kind of thing. What do you think here? Could you help me out with this? And that's something that I feel like regardless of where you are, what setting that if this is the kind of stuff that makes you jazzed and you're passionate about, like you can work to over time, cultivate that where you are. Yeah, I think that's super important. And definitely for me, when I when I graduated, I was looking for somewhere that, you know, had a culture that kind of embodied, you know, the the values that I had and and kind of the way that I envisioned myself treating. And for me, like, you know, obviously, because we all have uh, a lot of loans <laughs> getting out of school, but like, so obviously, like, you want to get paid, but like, that wasn't like, my number one factor, like, to me, that was like, completely secondary to finding a place where I wasn't in a mill having to see like a million patients a day because there's, you know, I, well, I don't even want to go into that. Uh, <laughs> um, but like, I, I also wanted to have, you know, some mentorship, not that, you know, I needed someone to like hold my hand, but I wanted to have people that I could just talk to about things and bounce ideas off of and, and continue totally. to learn from, because even though I, I graduated, that doesn't mean anything. Like I still can learn, like I'm still learning every day. Like I thankfully, like not only do I have the opportunity to work with like Jay and Natalie and, and the Eric's, but you know, <laughs> in my, in, in my office, like, which is a killer. I, I, sit, killer. I sit next to Jay and then Natalie's also in my office. So, you know, Hell all the time I'm, you know, I tell Natalie, I'll tell her, like, if I'm saying stupid shit, like, please like call me out on it. And like, <laughs> I ask tell you. for feedback all the time. Yeah. Cause I know that, <laughs> but like, she says it in like a constructive way and like wants it me to be, to be better. So that's why like, I love when I'm like, Natalie, like I want some feedback um, because I know that she'll be honest with me about it and yeah. just be like, Oh yeah, you're doing great. Like you're a new grad, like you're doing a good job. Like, yeah, I don't totally. want that. Like <laughs> I want like could, something that like make, can make me better. Um, and I think that's, that's huge. So kind of, I guess, and maybe Zach can speak to this a little bit too, cause I know that, you know, his position is kind of like culture, you know, creating a culture in the, in the clinic. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. so, um, if maybe speaking to like maybe some recommendations or like advice yeah. that, you know, for students or new grads, you know, and what to look for and, you know, like Steph said, you know, unfortunately the, the job market maybe isn't the best right now, but you know, maybe at the same time it, gives you some opportunity to go in and shadow some more places because they may not be, you know, immediately looking to hire, but, um, definitely. So, uh, you know, one thing I just want to backtrack to what you just said, which is exactly why we, you know, resonate so hard is like one of our other like core, core values, you know, bridging back to the beginning of this episode, talking about the mill was that the thing that always motivated us first 
is like humans, like being the best PT you can be to provide the best care possible and just get that mentorship and grow alongside people. Like money was never the motivator. And, you know, there's a misconception. I don't want people to conflate that with like just being totally socialist and not caring about (laughs) making money. Like the idea is that if your first underpinning value is like service and being the best you can be, you're going to make money as a byproduct. Our, our practice, Boston PT and wellness is so successful. And it's because we really, that is the soul of our culture is like, you don't work for this company. If you're motivated by money, like you need to be motivated by excellence. Like you want to be the best PT that you can be so you can make the, give the best care for patients. Cause if you care that much, you're going to want to challenge, you're going to want to have these constructive conversations you know, and so that that's huge for us. And I think just when you're, you know, for new grads looking for jobs, you have to make sure those values are there in a sense of like, you know, I want to be in a place where I'm challenged. I want to be in a place where, you know, it's, it's very open in terms of transparent with being able to communicate about things and, um, you know, keeping each other honest, you know, and just trying to strive for that, I think is huge. Yeah. When you go, I would say when you go to interview too, ask, and this actually came from our boss, like Dave was the first person to mention this to me is, you know, ask, it's a red flag if you ask to hang out for maybe an extra hour or so and like shadow after your formal interview, if you have one, um, and not just talk to the PTs, but like, you know, interact a little bit with the patients. They're, they're the ones that are going to really give you, the PTs and the patients are going to give you a real insight into the culture there. Yeah. You know, like true. we, we hear- yeah, we hear many people come shadow students and well, you know, when it was safe and hopefully again soon, um, you know, our patients all the time would be like, Oh, I love it here. And like at, for a little while, I was like a little embarrassed, like, Oh, we're not paying them to say that. Like, (laughs) but it's true that, you know, if, if, if it is a place where people really, um, like to be and it's not just because they get massage and a hot pack it's because you know they've really been able to get better and back to do what they're doing what they're doing and it's a fun environment um then you're gonna you're gonna be able to pick up on that so i think that would be another little um kind of hack shout out to dave that uh that i have definitely used since then yeah that's uh that's really awesome and you know i think you guys you know, and again, clinical athlete were huge. I was very um, fortunate to find, you know, both, both companies like early on, you know, while I was still in school and um, just follow you guys. And, you know, I'm sure a lot of those connect. I don't, honestly, I don't think I would be doing this right now if it wasn't for like you and clinical athlete, because like, it's just gaining, you know, confidence. And then like, you know, that whole, it goes back to that thing of just making yourself being comfortable, getting, being uncomfortable. Right. And like, doing things where you're, you're just not super comfortable doing things. And that's okay. Cause you know, you want to go back into that feedback loop of the next time you're faced with that situation. Like it's a little bit easier to do it. Um, I loved that. But um, it's so true. It's literally like, you know, it, from a Bayesian perspective, it's very true. We went there. <laughs> <laughs> we got to update those priors. <laughs> um, Awesome guys. So I know we're coming up on about an hour and, you know, I definitely, you know, in the future want to, you know, speak to you guys again, you know, also like individually, cause I know that there's a, been a few ideas I've had about, you know, wanting to speak to you guys, you know, Zach and, you know, his, 
being, you know, super, you know, hardo biomechanics outside out of school and going deeper into that. And, and Steph, you know, being that, you know, maybe it's the last couple of years that you've really gotten into, you know, barbell lifting and how that's kind of changed your, your, uh, practice and kind of dealing with, you know, you know, the hamstring stuff that you've been dealing with, um, you know, the last year and how that's changed, maybe your perspective with dealing with your patients. So I definitely want to chat with you guys again in, in the future. Um, but maybe, you know, to wrap up, we can kind of leave everyone with, you know, where they can go to learn more about level up, you know, when the next cohort opens up where they can go to apply for that. And then, uh, where to find you guys. So the next cohort for level up opens in two weeks from today. It's open for one week and it starts enrollment is open in two weeks and it's open for one week and it's about a 10, 15 minute application and it's all free. Remember? And then it starts in August and it runs four months. Um, you can find more information at the level up initiative.com. Um, where are, we are at on Instagram at the level up initiative. And that's really where our most sort of consistent social media platform is. But we have an awesome Facebook community as well, where we also, you know, it's just a little bit more uh, intimate there. So that you get through the email list if you sign up for it, which is in the bio, link in bio. Plenty um, <laughs> people ask questions through there too. But um, yeah, that's, I think, I think most of it. Yeah. And how about your, your pages people want to follow? I am just... I'm mostly, I'm most comfortable on Instagram, not the best at Facebook. Um, on Facebook, I am just Steph Allen. And on Instagram, I'm at stephallen.dpt. And I'm at zachabor.dpt. Yeah, and, and especially for students, definitely go back. Uh, Zach, that uh, creative thinking series that you did like a long time ago. Cool. True. So even when I was a biomedical hardo, I was still about the critical thinking in certain <laughs> extents. Yeah, no, that, that uh, I, I go back and like, watch those every now and then. Cause I, there's some definitely well, some good tips. It's good for people that are getting into teaching. Cause like, that's still a huge part of my teaching philosophy. Like I'm starting a, I start tomorrow morning teaching a strength and conditioning elective for yeah. MGH's DPT program. And like, it's just rather than just inundating with facts and things, it's like, how can we really think critically about this material and drive home like three to five key points and shout out to one of the Eric's at Gaylord, mm-hmm. Eric Lagoy he's been really instrumental in helping like, you know, informally mentor me and like how to create an elective for a DPT program. Cause you're like, I want to talk about all of these things. <laughs> and he's like, dude, what are three things that are very important that you want them to leave with hammer that home? And I'm like, okay, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, but again, guys, you know, super, I, this was, this was awesome. Honestly, like that hour flew by. Um, no, we so love again, looking, uh, looking forward to, to doing this again, you know, thank you for taking the time, you know, especially it's approaching all of our bedtimes, you know, Zach said he was a grandfather, but I'm pretty sure you were born in the nineties. Is that not correct? Yeah, 91. He's, he's I'm going to be allowed, he's not allowed to say 89, that. dude. I'll tell you about the eighties. I just turned to 31. <laughs> yeah. So Steph, Steph and I are both in our thirties. So you know. <laughs> I have, I have several gray hairs now though. Right, well, you I'm might have me on that one, but you're getting there. <laughs> slap you <laughs> <laughs> um but awesome guys uh yeah thanks for being on um and thank you all again for listening to this episode of mic check uh be sure to subscribe if you haven't already on whatever platform you're listening to um but until the next episode have a good night